The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg, sound on. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. President Trump says he did not link Ukraine aid to investigation of the Bidens. Again, President Trump saying he did not link Ukraine aid to investigation of the Bidens. More fallout with the latest back and forth between President Trump and former Vice President Biden. What does it mean for the 2020 field? And can Biden continue to survive in terms of the questions swirling around one of his sons, Hunter? Meanwhile, why President Trump's Ukraine call has invigorated calls for impeachment? Can Speaker Pelosi continue to thwart off those calls? And... Should investors be worried not about President Trump tariffs, but about President Elizabeth Warren tariffs? We have a lot to get through today. All of that, plus we're keeping tabs around the world on a host of different Brexit headlines and Israeli election headlines. President Trump said Monday that he did not ask Ukraine's president for an investigation of former Vice President Joe Biden in an exchange for U.S. military aid. All right, that's that's the headlines over from today, and it dominated the discourse over the weekend. I want to play for you now what President Trump said earlier today with regards to this July phone call with Ukraine President Zelensky, or Ukraine leader. Uh, I guess technically we don't even know if it was with Zelensky. Uh, he said that it was innocent. He said it was very nice. And it all comes following this whistleblower, this whistleblower, an anonymous whistleblower that filed a complaint about raising concerns for President Trump's conversations with this foreign leader of Ukraine. House Democrats, Senate Democrats have been urging there to be an investigation. They've urged the Department of Justice to release the information surrounding the whistleblower, DOJ saying, hey, not so fast. We've got protections on whistleblowers for a reason. For a reason, There's we protect them. Now President Trump saying that he did not offer any type of deal to get dirt on Joe Biden. Here's the president of the United States earlier today. There was no pressure put on them whatsoever. I put no pressure on them whatsoever. I could have. I think it would probably, possibly have been okay if I did, but I didn't. I didn't put any pressure on them whatsoever. You know why? Because they want to do the right thing, and they know about corruption, and they probably know that Joe Biden and his son are corrupt. They probably know that. So there you have it. President Trump going directly after Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden, who had served on the board of an energy corporation while 
President Trump, or I'm sorry, while former Vice President Joe Biden was in the office. The insinuation is that there's some type of uh, profiteering going on on behalf of the Bidens, here, which they deny. Here with me in studio, A.B. Stoddard, Associate Editor and Columnist at Real Clear Politics, and Brett Bruin, President of the Global Situation Room and, and former White House Director of Global Engagement. A.B., it's almost like there's two different stories. One is, did President Trump act incorrectly in his conversations with Ukraine President Zelensky? And two, is there are there unanswered questions for Hunter Biden and the Biden campaign to answer regarding their relationship with the Ukraine? Well, I think that Hunter Biden has had, as we know um, his, from his history, a very uh, rough struggle. And um, his father uh, was serving in office while he was working in a, in a job involved with a Ukrainian energy company. Um, that may have, you know, had some overlap with policy decisions. The the coalition, Brett will know more about this, but uh, of of countries that came together to demand the resignation of this prosecutor general uh, were multiple. It, it, there was multiple countries behind it. It wasn't Joe Biden doing something for his son. So this has been fact checked by the Washington Post, and I commend everyone to research this whole story and read up on it. Though it's always potentially unseemly or potentially unethical when you have this kind of overlap. So I also commend everyone to read up on Ivanka Trump's trademarks that she's received from the government um, in Beijing and all the other overlapping connections between the Trump organization, which the Suns are running, and involvements with foreign governments. So there's that bucket of questions about whether or not you should bend over backwards to, to, to distance and disconnect all um, business and personal in in um, high levels of government, no question. Um, but I think this story, because of the way that the Trump world is trying to come, and you've seen a concerted effort from Rudy Giuliani's tweets that started this morning before I left the House, he started with two. They were mostly gibberish, but it, it's going to be very aggressive. Um, there doesn't seem to be any kind of instant uh, response yet from the Democrats on this. You saw an attempt by cabinet secretaries to come out and sort of filibuster every answer to intentionally bring it back to Joe Biden and Hunter Biden or Crooks or whatever they were saying on the Sunday shows. So this is you can see this is, you know, their response to what completely apart from the Biden family's doings is conduct by a president of the United States that's really not permitted, whether there was extortion for foreign aid or not. You are not allowed as president to solicit the help in a political campaign from a foreign government. Forget the $250 million. Forget the aid. Um, We do need to know more, Kevin. There was supposedly a promise that that President Trump made. And we, we have to see the complaint, or at least our Congress men and women have to see the complaint. But remember that this is a lot of gaslighting about issues that are not connected to whether or not the president has violated his oath of office to defend and faithfully execute what is demanded of him by our Constitution. A.B. Stoddard's here. She is associate editor and columnist at Real Clear Politics, as is Brett Bruin, president of the Global Situation Room and former White House director of Global Engagement. Brett, let me play for you some more of what President Trump said earlier this afternoon and get you to follow up on on what A.B. said. Because he was asked about the precedent. I mean, A.B.'s talking about precedent in terms of a president talking to a foreign leader in exchange for political dirt, a la 
what happened when candidate Donald Trump, allegedly, if you read the Mueller report, was discussing with others. I don't want to relitigate the Mueller report. And but, his associates but, but, were. And his associates, yeah. right. I mean, I think we would all, that's not an opinionated statement, but we all remember 2016. We're in 2020 now. So President Trump's talking about precedent in terms of what AB is saying. Take a listen to President Trump talking about the precedent that this sets with regards to chatting to a foreign leader. Here he is. I don't think it's a great precedent to be releasing calls with foreign countries, heads of foreign countries. So I don't think it's a great precedent. So I didn't say I was going to release it at all. And then take a take a listen to what he said about whether or not he gave anything up in exchange for something else. If there was any type of deal. Here he is again. I did not make a statement that you have to do this or I'm not going to give you a I wouldn't do that. Brett. So I actually find myself in agreement with President Trump on his first point. Which was? That is that these calls should not be uh, pushed out into the public sphere. But that is not what the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community, who was appointed by Donald J. Trump, is asking for. What we're asking for is that Congress is allowed to conduct oversight over credible and urgent matters uh, that relate to the intelligence community. And that is where Congress has the right to read the transcript, to hear the call if necessary, in order to determine whether or not there was uh, some malfeasance. And not necessarily a public, not necessarily a public transcript. No, and, and I... Because that's important, because right. a lot of people think, well, release the transcript in real time. No, and there are ways you can do it behind closed doors. And there are, and I, I do want to push back on this, because these days we have this notion, I think the Mueller investigation um, created precedents which can be problematic for the practice of diplomacy. You cannot have heads of state calls that are going to be foiled because all of the sudden now heads of state are going to not have that direct conversation that at times Barack Obama had with Vladimir Putin, with Xi Jinping. That's what it requires to successfully execute these kind of calls. All right, coming up, we're going to have to stay with this because there's that's the Trump angle. And now we got to talk about what this means in the 2020 context and in terms of other other Democratic candidates potentially going after the Biden campaign. I'm so grateful to have A.B. Stoddard and Brett Bruin here, two of my, truthfully, two of my favorites and two of my role models. Coming up, you can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio. My Eagles blew it yesterday, but D.C. United won. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. That's really the only open question right now. What will it take for Congress to ask, to act, and to perform their constitutionally mandated duty? If, if they fail to do that, they will have set the precedent, which we're, we're close to locking in right now, that some people are above the law. That was former Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke, who is running for president as a Democrat. Uh, he was asked about the the latest calls for investigation and even some Democrats calling for impeachment with regards to a conversation that President Trump had with Ukrainian President Zelensky about Joe Biden. Now, President Trump today denying that he made any political promise in exchange for dirt 
on Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, who was appointed to the board of Burisma Group, Burisma Holdings, which is a Ukrainian oil and gas company. And Republicans are saying deserves a look into. Democrats are saying that a whistleblower complaint filed against President Trump for this conversation he had in July with the Ukrainian president ought to be investigated. With me, to, we, we were talking about Joe. We were talking about the Trump political implications earlier. I want to talk about the Biden twenty twenty political implications now. With me here in studio, A.B. Stoddard. She is an associate editor and columnist at Real Clear Politics. And Brett Bruin, president of the Global Situation Room and former White House director of Global Engagement. Brett, through the lens of 2020, is this bad news for Joe Biden's campaign? It's bad news insofar as it reminds voters that whether it's Biden or, for that matter, Trump or the Clintons, there true, is this true, true. Uh, atmosphere <laughs> around uh, a number of our political leaders' families that isn't always um, so clean and and so ethical. Now, I, I think the the challenge for Biden is to try and push back this narrative and keep the public, keep Congress focused on the. Uh, ethical issues that President Trump has. But if you're Elizabeth Warren and the Biden campaign is arguing that you are, quote, not who you say you are, we're just a couple of weeks away from the next election or the next debate, A.B., do, do you go after Hunter Biden if no you're way. Elizabeth Warren? No way. See, I, I, just, I, think I, would. I really think this is time for I think the DNC. Um, is uh, is reaping what it's sown. It, the, over, the sort of over to democratization of the primary campaign where Marianne Williamson <laughs> can come in and sell books and all this goofiness and wasted time and wasted money, really precious wasted time, I think, uh, really shows that they've lost control of the ship. They were really burned by the Bernie experience in this, so they were trying to make it really open and fair and, 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 and hands off. I think it's time for them, um, and it wouldn't have to be public, but for them to come together, and if I were Tom Perez... Or if I was, if this was happening on the Republican side, I would recommend that the that the party leadership quietly go to everyone and say, "You hold your fire on this. You stay united. Don't take sheep shots at this guy's son, and you can choose your time and ways to criticize Joe Biden." But now is not the time to let Trump go out and make up junk about Joe Biden every day because most of what he's saying isn't even true. So. Yes, but it is you, true that he was. Appo- I mean, it is true that he was appointed to while while Joe Biden was vice president that he was named in Feb in uh, in, in April of two thousand and fourteen. I don't think we know that Joe Biden has done anything wrong. Yeah. I think no, you're talking about no, Hunter Biden getting no. a good job. Correct. The president right. is saying that Joe Biden, if he was Republican, would be in an electric chair. He's accusing the former vice president of major corruption and getting this prosecutor general fired. I think we need to differentiate between those two. And my long Absolutely. answer is no, Kevin. If I were Liz Warden, I wouldn't touch this with a ten. See, I, but let me let me. I, I, I hear you, and I, I hear. But this is what if Elizabeth Warren's entire campaign. Is there's too much, which it is. There's too much corruption in, in Washington, and there's too big, and we got to break up big banks, and that's her entire messaging. I am not alleging. Uh, listen, we I follow the facts here. I, I don't take opinion. The fact is, Hunter Biden was named to Burisma Holdings in yeah. 
in April 2014 while his father was was vice president. And and I'm Does with that AB deserves scrutiny. I'm with AB on this. Joe Biden's family and everything that uh, Biden himself has been through with loss and grieving is just the third rail. You you don't touch it. But that's not what I'm asking though, right? I mean, what I'm asking is is if if the if the Trump children are in, rightfully under investigation in terms of all of the myriad of questions, if 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 Donald Trump Jr. or if Eric Trump or if Ivanka Trump were given a position or take a job on a board of a a uh, or even one of the Pence kids were taking a job on the on the board of a, of an energy company, wouldn't there be scrutiny? I I think as uh, reporters who have looked into this matter uh, attest to there there just isn't any smoke there and I think at this point if I'm in the Biden campaign I take advantage of this opportunity I turn it back and say yes let's talk about some of the really concerning ethical actions of uh, members of the Trump family and and let's let me be in it. And I would encourage them to be as transparent as possible about what happened, how it happened, and particularly the vice president's role, because visiting the sins of a son or a daughter on their parent, I think all of us uh, who are parents can relate to as a bridge too far. Kevin, your question was about whether or not one of his rivals in the primary campaign should use it against him. That is re-electing Donald Trump. They have to look at what their goal is. They're either trying to get themselves nominated or, above all else, at risk of, of losing a general election in the process. Or they're really ultimately trying to make sure the party defeats Trump. And I think that this is really the wrong explosive to play with. I, I'm just we're, we got, coming up. We're going to talk more about about UNGA because, <laughs> by the way, Gaspar Zelensky is this week. <laughs> UNGA. Yeah. Guess where President Trump is this week. UNGA. But I just think if you're when I talk to folks on the far left who are who are pushing for the Green New Deal, for example, this I'm telling you, this isn't about gossip or family or who's dating who. This is about a job. This is this is I'm telling you, they're talking about this. And on the right, they're going to say, how come you're not you're not talking about it? I think this story is just beginning, whether we like it or not. A.B. Stoddard stays. Brett Bruin stays. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Unga. We're talking about Unga. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Happy Monday, folks. Yes, I will be rooting for the Washington Redskins tonight. Monday Night Football. <laughs> I'm devastated by the Philadelphia Eagles. Dev- I mean, I- I'm actually not devastated. I'm angry. 
I have a lot of anger, <laughs> and I'm holding on to it, and I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. We lost to the Detroit Lions, A.B. Stoddard, associate editor I'm so and columnist sorry. of nuclear politics. It was brutal. <laughs> and it was moving day for me yesterday, and I'm like, what the heck? Brett Bruins here, president of the Global Situation Room, former White House director of global engagement. Brett, I know you want to talk about UNGA, UN General Assembly. Well, actually, I wanted to talk about the Buffalo Bills win Ugh. three in a row, but I didn't oh, want to dear. run I, I shouldn't run oh, dear. <laughs> There was a local story in Philadelphia where a former fireman saved these babies in a burning building at 2 in the morning when he was walking home. And he goes, they were throw this this hero, it's CBS3, this hero literally was saving his children and tossing babies out of the window and they interviewed this gentleman on the news and he said, yeah, I was catching babies, unlike Aguilar, who literally oh lost the oh game dear. for oh us. Dear. Oh so dear. please watch that if you, oh if you haven't. It's classic <laughs> Philly. Um, classic Kev, we're back. UNGA, so much to get through. So many different geopolitics to get to. What, what's on your radar for the UN General Assembly, especially with China and the U.S. President Trump? I was going to say Iran first and foremost. Oh, yes, Iran, I, Iran, I, I Iran. I think we've got a, a real possibility here to advance the ball on Iran. And How? Inter well, interestingly, what, what Trump has done, again, two times in one program, mark it down, it's a record. I think <laughs> that Trump has played um, the military card well on this in, and actually wow, holding Brad. back. I know, it's uh, shocking. You're right. You are very praiseworthy of the president today. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's interesting because what he has done, and, and I was on uh, Middle Eastern media over the weekend and, and talking with analysts who really see that he's pulled Riyadh back. He's pulled um, those hardliners in some of the Gulf countries back and said, look, military options off the table. We can talk about diplomatic. We can talk about economic sanctions. And, and that has forced a focus on, OK, how are we going to re resolve this thing? He didn't take Rouhani's bait. He didn't take the bait. He is not escalating uh, this issue, unlike, I have to say, Mike Pompeo, who was you know, out in Riyadh talking about how this is an act of war. The, the, the point being that— Against Saudi, not against the United States. I just want to clarify that. Correct. He was saying it was an act of war against Saudi, Saudis and not the U.S. Go ahead. But what's interesting is you now have all the world leaders, or most of them, gathered together in New York, and, and there is this classic diplomatic trick that we always used to use, the pull-aside, where we don't want to have an official meeting. The pull-aside. I feel like that's like a like a, I feel like it's like an NFL move, like the pull-aside with Brett Bruin. Go ahead. Well, and it has to be executed with precision. But I can envision a, s a scenario in which Mike Pompeo, who has always been Trump's go-to guy to yeah. send to Especially the bad now. guys around the world— yeah is um, going to run into Zarif, and they're going to have a conversation in the hallways of um, the uh, UN, and they will work this out. Let me play for you, A.B., what Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said, I believe, on ABC's This Week on the Sunday shows. Here's uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo talking about Iran, and then what you'll be watching for it, Unger. Here he is. President Trump's strategy that we laid out uh, now two years ago is working. Uh, we are well on our way to forcing the Iranian regime to ultimately make the decision uh, to become a normal nation. That's all we've ever asked. So I really, really join, I think, most Americans in wanting to um, believe that Brett's optimism is well-founded. I'm an optimist. Because Andy. we all want this um, to um, progress productively. But the goal of the maximum pressure campaign was to bring the Iranians to the table. And that's what the White House has been saying and the administration has been saying at least 
not on camera. And they and the president has made it clear many, many times he wants to go to the table with them. Now, because Mike Pompeo called this an act of war because um, of the whole summer of a line of credit, no, not a line of credit, John Bolton, no, not John Bolton, a strike in June, no, not. Um, we are at the point where uh, we have the Iranians assured there will now be no military strike and that they um, are saying emphatically and repeatedly, we're not going to meet with you anyway because we let's tell you about preconditions. You'd have to take the sanctions off and they're not going to. So I don't know where it goes. I can see pull aside, but materially, I don't know what happens. See, I'm looking like let, let's take away the, the two party system for a second and let's just look at, at U.S. foreign policy as a whole, Brett which is in one administration, the United States tried to have an international coalition with regards to forming the JCPOA or the Iran nuclear disarmament deal to get rid, uh, to, to, to encourage good behavior with, with Iran and their nuclear ambitions. They, by all accounts, did not follow the JCPOA and they continued with their well, some would argue, Brett's skeptical, but some would argue that they continued with their nuclear ambitions. They, they uh, certainly did less than the North Koreans under this. Well, <laughs> still, good I, point. I, but wait, but stay with me because yep. we could talk. I don't want to. But staying with, with Iran, they didn't follow all the rules of the JCPOA. A new administration comes in, doesn't go to war with them, sanctions the heck out of them. And they're still having to up the deal. I actually am going to push back on you on that yeah, because the um, IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, has uh, certified that Iran was in compliance with the JCPOA. Furthermore, um, I think all of the other allies sitting around the table have said, we see uh, the Iranians taking the right steps. Now, does that mean that the extracurricular activities that Iran was up to in Syria and Yemen, elsewhere in the world, um, were were all of a sudden fixed? No. And never did Obama say, this is going to solve all of our problems. If anyone has been really clear-eyed about the ability to engage bad guys on certain bad behavior, it's Donald Trump, who has gone to meet three times now with Kim Jong-un. I have written over the weekend right. about the death the death of North Korean diplomacy, I think Trump majorly messed that up. Uh, my, my column in Business Insider really focuses on the mistakes he made. And now what is he doing with Iran, which is interesting. He's learning some of the lessons from Iran, but at the same time, Iran is a lot easier for him. And he desperately needs a deal to sell on the campaign trail in 2020. He is going to push hard, as A.B. said. He's going you know, to show a little bit uh, of uh, willingness to, to just make superficial changes, move happy to glad, and let's call this the best Trump deal ever. It's going to— Amen. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the long-term implications of U.S. policy with Iran— it, it's got to get on some type of consistent consistent playing field. Panel stays coming up. What's on their radar? What are they watching in the next 24 hours? It feels like there's so many big stories breaking in the last three days that, that really could have long-term implications. And we're going to dive into more of them with A.B. Stoddard and Brett Bruin. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. 
Happy Monday, folks. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I am joined by two, truthfully, two of my two favorites, <laughs> A.B. Stoddard, Associate Editor and Columnist at Real Clear Politics, and Brett Bruin, President of the Global Situation Room and former White House Director of Global Engagement. I've known both of you for years now, literally since I first came to Washington. So thank you both so much for coming on routinely and being a part of this with me. Uh, I really am grateful and, and value both of your insights. And I know I'm being very cliche, but I really am very appreciative. And this is one of my favorite things to do in the segment or in the show, which is what's on your radar. And when you have two people like yourselves, you guys always pick really interesting things. So AB, I'm going to put you on the spot first. What is on your radar? Well, um, I think as everyone focuses on the, I um, mean, obviously the acting DNI is going to have to testify in Congress on Thursday. And depending on the outcome of this process story, this is a process story about this thing being blocked to the Congress. And, Hunted and it, by the, the, the Ukraine. No, 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 no. The whistleblower complaint. Yes about a phone call or some communication has been blocked um, and it's been deemed credible and urgent and it is not allowed to go to the DOJ or Pat Cipollone. It is supposed to come directly to the Congress. So when we hear on Thursday, it will spark a conversation about whether or not the White House is obstructing in a manner that leads to a critical mass of support in the Democratic caucus in the Can House for impeachment. Just a little slower because I think there is a lot of confusion for why, why Thursday's hearing is so crucial and why, it, as you mentioned, it can't go through the bureaucratic back channel right now. Well, as I said, the inspector general for the intelligence community spoke in a classified session last Friday for four and a half hours describing the urgency with which he he deems this matter that that he characterized the the um, complaint as credible, but he could not reveal the content. So he basically said, "I am. It is within the jurisdiction of the DNI, the Director of National Intelligence, who is acting and not confirmed. And so I cannot tell you, members of Congress, what it is. But you need to see it to the point where Adam Schiff came out the, the House Committee, uh, the, the the Intel Committee Chairman, excuse me." And said he believes that they will have standing in the court for this to be expedited because of the fact that it's been deemed urgent. And so they are going to be asking the acting DNI why he did not agree that it was urgent and why he's withholding it and seeking assessments from the Department of Justice and White House legal counsel, So that which is not supposed to be a part of the process at all. It simply just is transmitted, whether you like it or not, without comment, without frosting on top, straight to the Congress, and it hasn't been. So that hearing will tell us a lot. The conversation right now is about whether or not that leads to impeachment. I am focused on the Democrats and Trump districts, the ones who've been um, reticent about impeachment, because what's interesting about them, and some of them has told me this in months past, they are from largely national security backgrounds, and they don't intend to be in Congress forever, and they weren't in politics to begin with. And they are more likely to support impeachment than you think because they believe for posterity's sake, for history's sake, for the role of the Congress, which will be forever ruined if people are allowed to sit in the Oval Office and solicit help in their campaigns from foreign governments, we might as well not have a Congress anymore. They are going to be more um, supportive of impeachment than I think people understand. Interesting. That is why ABC. Even if it which, brings the House down, even if, even if it means. Raises, which I think raises a broader question. Which is what's on your radar. What. 
is Trump doing in these meetings with foreign leaders this week? A lot of them uh, up in New York, a lot of these calls. I have it uh, from friends who are still working on the National Security Council, have worked for the last two and a half years on the National Security Council, that he is not doing the business of our country. He's doing his personal business. He's doing his political business. And that is a story for those who work in the media or listening that still needs to be told. Because the really tough stuff, having worked at the White House, is what is teed up for those calls and for those meetings. It's not getting done. We have a survey. We went out to 50 ambassadors and senior national security officials and asked them a, a number of questions. And one of the most alarming things, these, by and large, were career ambassadors. 20% of them were appointed by uh, a political appointees of Republican presidents. And they came back and said, 96% of them believe that America's adversaries have grown stronger under President Trump. 92% believe that the U.S. has lost substantial international influence. What are we going to see this week? What's on my radar? We're losing influence in the world. Our adversaries are growing stronger. We'll be on display this week in New York. Panel, I got to be honest. Usually I, I, we, we talk a lot of policy, but this this Ukraine story is everywhere and i think both of you highlighted why which is thursday's hearing is going to be crucial especially given the backdrop of the u.n general assembly where the administration is on the world stage all right what's on my radar i'm going to break away from ukraine just for a second i'm going to pivot to china okay i'm going to talk china for a second okay did you guys follow this because i was i was last week i was joking about it on air but I was like, I'm going to go to Montana on Monday, and I'm going to be staking out with the Montana Farm Bureau, the Chinese delegation, as they all descend and they do agriculture. I was thinking, like, there'd be a backdrop of horses, maybe some hogs, some soybeans, something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some and hogs. I, I, I was. Did you know that there is – you can go on the Bloomberg Terminal and track hog trading? Did you know that the Bloomberg Terminal can show you that? Because I did, A.B. And they I believe it, although I haven't partaken, but I, I plan to. I'm going to send yeah. you that. So Donald Trump today, Josh Winger of Bloomberg's reporting, asked, his, asked Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin to explain why the administration requested a Chinese trade delegation cancel its plans to visit U.S. farms and indicated he disagreed with the decision. Trump, uh, they were in a back and forth. Uh, and Trump said, why was that our, our request, just out of curiosity? And then Mnuchin said, because we didn't want confusion around the trade issue. And then Trump replied, yeah, but I want them to buy <laughs> I want them to buy farm products. So it's another example of the back and forth in front of cameras between and the Treasury like Secretary. And I like confusion. And actually, again, I was making light of this, but the hog market dipped, the soybean market oh, dipped. Dear. All upon the cancellation. This is how much traders are following this back and forth. And it's really no joke because we were talking in the break about yeah. the impact that it has on farmers. It, it Just how every tweet, every itinerary movement is impacting the ongoing struggle. So it's the latest thing. We can joke about it, but it is really not joke. Gold ticked upward uh, as a result of the decline in some of the other uh, indexes. All right. My thanks to A.B. Soddard. My thanks to Brett Brewing. Thank you, you can Kevin. Oh, anytime. Seriously, no. Go Thank Bills. you, guys. Uh, download the Bloomberg <laughs> Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Two of the best, A.B. and Brett. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
the countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.